welcome to the Living in the Yum podcast. I'm your host, Emma Garrison with Balance and Bliss Coaching. We will uncover ways to break through those limiting beliefs and stand in the power of you. Each week, the Living in the Yum series brings innovative, thought-provoking, and actionable content to help you gain clarity, alignment, and connection with your soul and heart. It's time to take action. Take an authentic stand for yourself and unapologetically live more into the young every single day. Are you ready? Here we go. So Robert is an internationally recognized trainer and developer in NLP coaching, which I actually got all of my training from NLPCA, which Robert is a part of, and I learned mostly from him, which was incredible. And he also focuses on hypnosis and personality profiling, which is what we're going to look into a little bit more today. But Robert is somebody who I have learned so much from. He has so much wisdom and knowledge to share. And um, I think you are just phenomenal at teaching what you teach. And it's changing. Yeah. And it's changing lives all over the place. I know the majority of the people who I went through training with have since, you know, launched businesses or have become life coaches or are using it in different facets, like in the corporate world. So what you're doing is really incredible. And I'm just so happy to have you here. Well, thank you. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Yeah, of course. Uh, you're, one of those, you're one of those bright light bulbs in the classroom that when you're there, you know, you stand out, you get noticed, and you're always contributing to the class. You're always asking meaningful questions and things like that. So we love to have your energy there. Oh, thank you. The rest of your family as well. <laughs> yes, it's a family affair with the Garrisons. <laughs> um, okay, well, why don't you start by telling us, like, just plain and simple, what is hypnosis? So for somebody who's never heard of it or experienced it, how can you define hypnosis? Gosh, so hypnosis is, how do we, how do we dis, define, defining hypnosis is kind of like defining neuro-linguistic programming, right? Mm -hmm. It's a little bit nebulous and, and there's a lot of difference of opinions. And think of Think of hypnosis as an altered state of mind and body where you are more open and receptive to a new suggestion or a new idea. Now, this doesn't mean just because you're more open and receptive that anything's going to change. Mm -hmm. It's simply a more open and receptive state where there's a lot less of what we call the critical faculty playing in. And the critical faculty is that part of your mind that always goes, I don't know what, I don't know what I think about this. And what about that? Is that very skeptical? They're very discerning. It's a very useful part of the mind, but it's not useful when you're working on installing a new habit or a new suggestion. And for a lot of us, when we're trying to do that, it's very hard to fight that kind of negative talk in our brains. So in a hypnotic state, we know that the brain wave activity, uh, uh, for good suggestibility is going to be a bit lower than your normal waking state. So your normal waking state would be beta brainwave state. Then there's alpha where your mind starts to go kind of quiet. Theta is the next uh, layer down where you start to get a bit more creative problem solving, um, intense focus, and then delta, which would be hyper suggestibility or deep sleep. So oftentimes a good hypnotic state, like a good meditative state 
is going to have the brain oscillating somewhere in that theta, uh, theta delta range. So those will be uh, ideally a bit a bit higher. There'll be more activity there, and this means your mind's more open, where you can very easily you know imagine suggestions and ideas. And then with a good hypnotic what we call patter or good hypnotic sermon. Uh, kind of handed in properly in the right place in the right time, it can be a very, very powerful thing. So think of hypnosis as a very good way to install a new default habit or a new default response or a new default way of being. And it's best to do it by attaching it to something you already know that you're going to do. Mm, okay. So we get the mind to this more altered open state and then we carefully implant a properly structured suggestion and attach it to something we know you're already going to do. This is the best formula for getting new ideas in the brain. Now, with hypnosis, here's, here's what a lot of people get confused about. They think that, and I thought originally when I went to see a hypnotist to quit smoking over 20 years ago, I was going to sit in a chair, close my eyes, black out, and then wake up. Everything was going to be different. And like the end of the movie, Back to the Future, I'd wake up and I'd have a cooler car and a better job and all this kind of wonderful, did not happen at all. What I didn't know is that hypnosis is a cooperative state where mm. think of the hypnotist as the coach. You are the star athlete. We can help you get where you want to go faster, make it more enjoyable, have less injuries, be more effective, but we are working together as a team. And so the closest feeling that you that most people will be able to understand and liken it to would be similar to watching a really good movie that you're into now we've all been dragged to a movie or something we're not into it's boring it's hard to get into it unless we get sucked in after a while now as a father taking kids to their movies oftentimes i'm not into it at all but after a while it will grab my attention and pull me in mm -hmm. when that happens you easily lose track of time you can lose sense of what's going on in your own body, which is why you may not realize you need to go to the bathroom until the movie's over. Mm -hmm. um, uh, you, you, if it's funny, you're laughing. If it's thrilling, you're holding on to the edge of your seat. If it's emotional, you're getting teary-eyed. When you're doing that, you are responding to suggestion, but it requires that you actively focus your attention and use your imagination. So when you have someone who can properly guide you through the process of doing that and then doing that in a very constructive way, that's properly laid out and vetted and put together for your particular issue mm -hmm. and also put together where this is where the personality profiling comes in adjusted to you in a way that's going to likely fit your nervous system and the way you're wired. If you put all that together, then you can have an incredibly uh, powerful experience. And we've had people come in and quit smoking in one session, quit wow. a lifetime habit of, of cigarettes and feel like they never even smoked afterwards. Now, that was not my experience at all. <laughs> I, was smoked, I smoked after my first three sessions, was totally convinced hypnosis didn't work, at least for me, wasn't going to work. You know, like I was such a, I was a horrible client too. Very, very negative, very skeptical. I hid cigarettes under the seat of my car when I went to see the guy. Oh, gosh. <laughs> he asked for my empty pack. Like I completely plotted on smoking on the way home. So it's <laughs> so funny. Yeah. Um, okay. So, so question for you. Um, so it sounds like hypnosis and I, I love that we're doing this and I sort of did this intentionally because I have not taken your hypnosis course yet. I have never 
been in a hypnotic state before that I'm aware of. I'm sure I have, but just haven't been in tune to it. Um, so what it sounds like is hypnosis helps us come to a different state of mind. Is that right? So when you were talking about beta and delta and theta, maybe that is peeling back different layers of consciousness. Is that right? Well, no, the, the, only, the only concern that we have with the brainwave state and getting you in a more relaxed and open state is that yeah. you're less critical of new ideas. So okay. you're, in a, you're in a less critical state and you're in a more open, receptive, creative, kind of playful state. What Walt Disney would call the dreamer. You're yeah. more in that mode. And that is a very, that way we can unencumbered rehearse and practice new habits and new ways of being. But with a good hypnotist, we can embellish it in such a way where that new habit will feel immediately as if it's like, this is kind of how it's always been. Mm. So when hypnosis is done properly, you can very rapidly change behavior. So I use it as a tool. I'm never committed to neurolinguistic programming versus some somatic technique versus neuroscience versus hypnosis. I'm looking for what is going to get the job done fast. Now, once I've done a piece of work with a person or for particular things like smoking, like stress, like weight loss, I will go in and use a hypnosis session because it's the fastest way to create that new tendency towards that new habit, towards that new behavior until it gets carved into the nervous system and eventually becomes a way of being. So for example, in a smoking or weight loss program, my goal is to get that new way of thinking, that new way of being, of relating to cigarettes, food, whatever it is, up and running on autopilot. Once it's up in autopilot, then it kind of keeps self, uh, it's like a self-winding watch at that point. It kind of self-reinforces itself. Yeah. And you adjust it from there moving forward. Okay. So essentially we're in a state where we don't have the ego chatter. There's, there's less of that and... It's think of it like a really intense movie, right? There's a big difference between reading a book or seeing a little black and white movie with no sound and seeing it in the movie with the IMAX and the feeling. You're there, you feel the emotion. And when you combine visualization with strong emotion, it's incredibly powerful. You know, if you compare hypnosis to visualization, I would say the biggest mistake. I made for years and I see most people make with visualization is they will practice visualizing what they want, mm -hmm. which think of visualization is a junior form of hypnosis, right? Mm -hmm. But they're practicing visualizing what they want, but they don't pay attention to making sure they're imagining it in a way that feels good. So it's very important when you imagine yourself in that movie, you see yourself enjoying it and you feel good. If you don't, you'll tend to move away from it because we always avoid what feels uncomfortable. We seek what feels good and then we try to conserve energy whenever possible. Yeah. So when you imagine, when you use that visualization and you make it very rich, visual, auditory, kinesthetic, and then you amp up the emotion and you combine the two together, it, that will create a pull for mm -hmm. that direction. And so what we will often do in hypnosis sessions is we will combine adding strong moving away from motivation from the old habit while adding strong moving towards motivation to the new habit. So mm -hmm. hypnosis is a condition. Think of it as kind of like a conditioning tool. Okay. And um, 
but it can also be used to help someone really flip on, on a habit as well. And so we often will use it for that. Now there's a lot of other different kind of uses for hypnosis too that we don't talk about very much, but one of them that's kind of interesting is uh, finding missing things like wedding rings and gold and diamonds. Oh, yeah. That's called forensic hypnosis. I don't do much of that. And when I do, it's, it tends to be hit or miss, but often what I'll do is I will, you know, you can take a person and then help them get into a hypnotic state and then walk them through. I have a little procedure that I do. I have them walk them through different parts of their house and find the likely hiding spot. And, and um, so we've used that to recover lost items before. before. So cool. Yeah. So, so cool. Yeah. So t- tell us a little bit more about that. So I heard you mention like breaking habits. So weight loss and stopping smoking and finding gold in your house. What else, like if somebody's curious about hypnosis, what would make, what would be a kind of trigger for them to say, Ooh, I should go try hypnosis. What types of things do people come to you for most often? Yeah. Great, great question. And, and just let me put out the disclaimer. Don't expect to use hypnosis to find gold in your house unless you already <laughs> have gold and lost it. Okay, <laughs> hey, maybe we can help you. <laughs> <laughs> yes. The last gold case ended badly. The gentleman found his briefcase and it was empty. Oh no. <laughs> yes. He was not happy about that. <laughs> so um, here's, here's what you can use it for. Um, use it for, for weight loss, for smoking, for stress, um, for habit control. Uh, you can use hypnosis for um, creating more focus for test taking. So I've had pe- lawyers come to me who are getting ready to pass the bar exam and they wanted to be very calm or nurses before a big exam or medical people before a big exam. They would often come for that. Uh, I've also worked with a number of athletes and we have a sports protocol. And so almost Every professional athlete has a routine that they use to kind of get in the zone. And so we have a whole kind of, you know, uh, athletic program that we do where we help an athlete develop a get in the zone routine and then develop a rehearsal routine and then develop a recovery routine and a few other routines. And we find when we put those together, their acumen and their sports goes up. Now, this is assuming, you know, whatever natural talent they have and they bring to the table, you know, is great. You know, I can't really affect that too much, but what I can definitely help them do is I can help them uh, get out of their heads and stay in their body and get their body to produce the best result during the game. And so we've had uh, one of the uh, clients was a guy named Alejandro uh, Chavez, who, I'm sorry, Sam Chavez, I'm thinking about his brother now, Uh, there's Sam and there's Alejandro, and he went pro. Uh, Sam Chavez actually became a pro golfer. Uh, when I worked with him initially, he was in high school. He was ranked 27th. Uh, three months later, after some coaching, he beat the number one ranked kid in the country in a shootout. And then he got two full-ride scholarships and then left school early to go on the South American Pro Tour. And then he went on the Canadian Pro Tour. And then I think there's a European Pro Tour. And then they come to the U.S. if they, if they keep making through the cuts. So we'll see. Wow. Yeah. We have another baseball player who we're just waiting for him to be eligible to go pro. He's in college, but he is throwing, uh, I think it's like 85 or 86 mile an hour sidearm pitch, which is major league uh, throwing. And to be able to do that sidearm is pretty good. Amazing. Yeah. So it's neat. There's a lot you can do. Uh, sleeplessness is another thing people come to hypnosis oh, yeah. for. Um, avant-garde ones are like the forensic hypnosis, uh, allergies. 
Uh, I've done allergy work that's been tested and, and we've had doctors, you know, uh, observe the clients throughout the testing of that. We even did that with asthma one time. Um, I don't do so much of that these days. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, uh, but a lot of it, uh, most of the, the work that I'm doing is going to be around smoking, weight loss, stress, and habit control of various forms. And then you've got your high performers that are just looking to use hypnosis to stay in that peak, peak okay. zone. Yeah. So let me ask you this. One of the favorite things, one of my favorite things that I learned through the NLP courses is that um, our subconscious mind will use and take the best information that's available to it at the time. Is that where (laughs) hypnosis comes in? Well, you know, I definitely think so. So that, that, that is what you are quoting is a presupposition in NLP, which means it's, it's not quite a belief because we're not going to defight it. We're not going to defend it to the end. There might be an exception, but we generally take it as an accepted fact because it tends to produce really good results. So the idea that the unconscious will always make the best choice available to it at the time. There are a number of NLP processes and a number of hypnotic processes that I think really give a lot of credence to that and show that that's true. One is the famous fantasy alternate ending that Tim Halbum has ended to or added to the fast phobia process. And that fantasy alternate ending is as odd as it sounds because you know if it's a trauma, you know that trauma happened, you can't get rid of that memory. Mm -hmm. But the experiencing of the fantasy alternate ending gives the unconscious a different way to feel. Mm -hmm. And what we find is when it has a better option, it will default to it. So all of neurolinguistic programming and all of hypnosis, what they, one of the things they share in common is they're only adding in choice and they're not taking anything away, which is what I love. That's why I always joke when I'm teaching either hypnosis or NLP that what's great about it is it's not a bomb you know, you know, we're not diffusing a bomb and we're not doing brain surgery. We don't have to worry about cutting the wrong wire. You can experiment a little bit. You can try different things, but we're just adding in resources. And you can always go back to what you were doing before. Yes. If you don't like, you know, the, the approach that an NLP coach takes with you in the office, trust me, you'll keep your pathology or you'll keep doing what you're doing. No problem. <laughs> <laughs> if you, and if you want to hold on to it and they do a great job, you can still hold on to it because ultimately you're going to do what you want to do. Hypnosis you know, with hypnosis, just like with NLP, uh, because it can be very influential and because it's seen as very powerful, there's also a lot of mythology around it. Like mm-hmm. it's highly manipulative and it can, you can do horrible things. Well, you can do that with any kitchen knife you know? <laughs> and you can do horrible things with a pen and a computer these days as well. I mean, if you've seen review reviews online, you know, it's really easy to go out and try to inflict harm on another human being if you want to do that. Yeah. And, both of these are amazing skills. I love them because they're the two most powerful, non-invasive, non-dogmatic, non-judgmental approaches that I know to help people that, that really work and really help people. It's really helped me. I've seen it really help so many other people. Mm-hmm. And I totally believe in it. And I love the fact that it allows me to help another human being regardless of their age, their race, their creed, their religious identification, their personal beliefs. There's none of that. One of the things that always was, you know, upsetting to me when I would try to belong to a community, particular spiritual type community mm-hmm. is the dogma and, and a lot of the rules and a lot of these like unspoken 
agreements that you have to follow in order to kind of belong. And there was within that was embedded this idea that, and if you didn't, you're kind of out a little bit. And I, I think after having a couple of experiences like that, where it's like when I decided to be me, suddenly I was out of a group. I didn't really like that. You know, NLP and, and the hypnosis community, you know, really brings together a whole different group of people from all kinds of walks of life. That's why the NLP trainings are so awesome because you might be sitting next to a venture capitalist or one of the founders of PayPal. And then you've got, you know, Shiloh, the massage therapist, you know, <laughs> who lives in a yurt sitting on the other side of you. And they're awesome. And, the, and everyone gets along, you yeah. know, <clears throat> It's so true. There's such a wide variety. And I think more so in my master's course did I witness that than my practitioner, but it's, yeah, yeah there's, you know, the investment banker who you think won't even crack a smile. And, you know, an hour later you're doing a process with them and like the vulnerability is everywhere. Yes. And it's so amazing to get to witness and impact and experience that with other people. Yeah. And I think that community piece that you're hitting on of the lack of judgment and just really getting curious, that's one of my favorite parts about the community and just learning NLP and I'm sure hypnosis is yeah. the same where there, there's just a lot of um, support and guidance in how to move through what we've experienced as human beings. Here's a good reason. I'll give you a really, really good reason to want to learn hypnosis, why everyone should learn the art of hypnosis, which is how to get yourself into that hypnotic state mm -hmm. and how to properly construct a suggestion and implant it in such a way that it causes a change in the nervous system. So when you can do the two together successfully, at least for yourself, to me, that is the sign of a successful hypnosis session. But here's a reason why everyone should want to learn it. My public service announcement to everyone listening is you are already doing it. You are already doing self-hypnosis every single day, day in, day out, all day long that there is an internal chatter in your mind. Realize this, when, when you are having that little chatter, that little kind of like, hmm, you know, or those little, I call them harumps or the little like, oh, I can't believe she what anything like that. <laughs> You are always and you are constantly talking to yourself in your head mm -hmm. more than any other input is your own internal dialogue and you're constantly reinforcing a thought, an idea, a belief, an action, a response. You're constantly reinforcing familial patterns of how to respond to stuff and you're reinforcing stuff consciously and unconsciously. You can't possibly pay attention to all the things you're reinforcing. But every time you, you have a, a feeling or emotion or your mind has a reaction to something, you are reinforcing a way of thinking or feeling or behaving, whether you like it or not and whether you are conscious of it or not, you're always doing it. So it makes sense because it completely affects who you become, how you grow, what you allow yourself, the stories we tell ourselves. And I don't call beliefs beliefs. I call them stories. Mm -hmm. But think of every belief you have about who you are, what you can do, what is possible for you in the world. It is a story that you made up. 
and you told yourself one day a long, long, long time ago, probably between the ages of three and 13 at the latest, and you decided this is who I am, you know, in relation to this, this is what I'm capable of, here's what's possible for me in the world, and then you decided that's how it is, and you closed the book and never reconsidered it for the rest of your life, possibly until this very moment. Mm -hmm. We live so many aspects of our life that way. And so realize you are constantly reinforcing that original programming, whether you realize it or not. So a huge concept, whether I'm teaching NLP or whether I'm teaching hypnosis, is thought pattern identification. It's the ability to notice a recurring pattern or cycle of thinking Mm-hmm. Not to make it good, not to make it bad, not to make it right, not to make it wrong, but to observe it, to notice that it is there, to step back, take a look at how is it working, do I want to continue, do I not, and install some choice about that. The ability to notice a pattern of thinking or feeling or acting gives you the ability to start to choose whether or not to keep doing it. It also gives you enough of an awareness of it to take a look and go, hey, is this working as directed? Which is why we always look at what is the positive intended purpose behind the behavior. And we look at that in both hypnosis and both in NLP. So we're always honoring that. And in honoring that with yourself, you're also reassuring yourself that you're not crazy. (laughs) Yeah, that's you. For a very good reason. We do. Well, and I think, you know, we've obviously spent a lot of time talking about these Uh, beliefs or stories that are created in your childhood. And a lot of times when I'm working with people or talking to people about this idea, it's like, do you, do you want to give your four-year-old self the credibility to be making decisions for your 25-year-old self, for your 30-year-old self, for your 40-year-old self? Because that's what you're doing. You're running around like a four-year-old, you know, subconsciously, and it's all with good intent, but it's not serving you the way that you want it to serve you. Yeah. And that's that high, your 12 year old self, my 12 year old self was not emotionally or intellectually fit to make lifelong decisions about how I should run my life. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think the way that you described hypnosis is awesome where it's like kind of a tool, like you get to put it in your toolkit. And I'm curious, um, I know you have trainings on hypnosis and you are also, uh, have a practice where people could come in and work with you that way. Um, is it possible for somebody to get into a hypnotic state on their own and implant those suggestions with themselves? Or do you need another person there to be doing the implanting while you're in the hypnotic state? Funny you should ask that. So tomorrow uh, we are going to be teaching for the first time. Uh, I normally teach a professional hypnosis certification course every year, but this year we're doing self-hypnosis for self-improvement. Oh, cool. I think it's easier to have someone else take you into hypnosis. I'm just mm-hmm. going to tell you that it's easier because then it's less hands-on. There's less of your, you know, of this dual attention between your conscious mind who's leading you and the unconscious mind who's having the experience. So there's, yeah, there's yeah. less of that going on, less of that interplay. And there's, a, but there's a number of ways to do self-hypnosis. So one of the best ways to do self-hypnosis is to record it and then listen to it. And you can simply do that, uh, especially in today's day and age. Anyone can take a phone, record themselves reading a nice hypnotic script. You could then play some nice classical music in the background and listen to it, and that would also work. 
but yeah, you can definitely give yourself suggestions. And uh, this course I'm going to be teaching this weekend is all about how to reprogram your mind. And hypnosis is one of the tools to do that. Self-hypnosis will be one of the tools to do that. Yeah, awesome. you can definitely do that. And you should do that. Even if you are doing formal hypnosis with someone else, you mm -hmm. want to do that because you want to practice. You want to practice putting a suggestion in your mind, watching it take hold. That will also make you aware of how influential you actually are on yourself. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's almost, it's sometimes scary and it's also really empowering to witness how much um, control but also influence that we have over our own experience. And, yeah. and I love too that you brought up the recording, which it sounds like is something necessary for self-hypnosis, but somewhere along the way I had a coach say to me, when you wake up first thing in the morning, record you know, all the things that you love about yourself or whatever you want to reinforce in your own voice and then listen to that, you know, every hour on the hour or whatever throughout the day, because our, our, and again, I don't know the exact science behind this, but it's either our subconscious or unconscious or some part of our brain is triggered when it hears our own voice saying to us, whatever it is that's coming through. Is that in line with what you teach as well? Uh, you know, what you're talking about are affirmations and I think that they can be for some people, I think that that voice can be very soothing and I think for other people, it may not be so soothing. It kind of mm -hmm. depends. I will tell you that one of the first times I recorded a hypnosis CD and listened back to it, I was horrified at how, uh, at how nervous and agitated my voice sounded on the tape. Uh. So, so here's, here's my NLP answer to that. Uh, my answer is it, it depends completely and entirely on the meaning you make about hearing your own voice. If you like the way it sounds and it makes you feel yummy, since we're talking about the yum, and you know I'm all about yummy and yucky, right? You know, getting ready yeah. to add the yum. But if you're talking about yummy, if it's, here's the deal. With stuff like this, there's no need to overthink it. Try it. If you like it and if it works and it makes you feel good, that's enough. Yeah. If it makes you feel good and keeps you focused, even better. If it makes you feel good, keeps you focused and gets you to take action, even better still. And if you can make all that fun, now you're in the money and you're going to be in what we call a flow state of activity and life's going to be very good and very enjoyable. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, but I would say, you know, try different things. When it comes to different self-hypnosis techniques as well, uh, we've been experimenting with a lot of different ones just leading up to the workshop and all of them, you know, I think it's a matter of personal preference, really. Mm -hmm. I would suggest that people learn, uh, learn how to talk to themselves. You want to learn self-hypnosis to learn how to talk to yourself in a way that is very constructive and effective and useful. Um, even if you don't ever do a formal hypnosis session with yourself, start to really become aware of how you're talking to yourself and where it's useful and where it's maybe not so useful because that's a very easy way to improve the quality of your life very quickly. Yeah. Very, very quickly. Um, I'm also a big believer in having an idea in your mind of what an average day in your ideal life would look like. And one of the reasons for that is your unconscious will organize itself around that. But one of the coolest things is that, and I always have executive coaching clients do this, when you think about what an average day in your ideal life will, would be like, you're inevitably going to find parts of your life right now that are already ideal. Mm -hmm. and that will fill you with a lot of gratitude. So it will work like that gratitude list. 
because it will fill you with a lot of gratitude and you'll have a lot of good feeling because you'll be, you'll be aware of these areas in which your life is already ideal while you're starting to pepper in those other areas as well. Yeah. It's almost like this is oversimplification of what you're talking about, but it's almost like bringing the awareness up and witnessing the things that are happening in the way in which you want them to. And I think tapping into the um, exercises that you're talking about helps just heighten that awareness and that gratitude practice. And I think that's awesome. Yeah. And it tunes it up too, because you, with a good, with a good coach or a good hypnotist, we can help you get very, very clear on a goal that's meaningful because we can make sure that, uh, like I have a new coaching client right now. One of the first things we did with him is we did values elicitation mm-hmm. and we went through and took a look at what are his most important values because we want to know that and respect that when we are vetting different ideas. If yeah. you're, you know, if the most important thing to you is time with your family, uh, that may cause you to make a very different set of decisions than if the most important thing to you is to make more money, mm-hmm. for example, in your business, in your career. So it helps us make better decisions. So a lot of what we will often do is build a good, compelling goal in the beginning. But boy, once, you know, using these tools, you can build a very good, compelling goal. You can build a yummy life and then you can fine tune the areas that aren't quite, you know, popping the way you want. It's never going to be 100% perfect, but you can certainly, there's always what I call very low-hanging fruit mm-hmm. areas for everyone when it comes to personal development. And so it's worth it every now and then to step back and get some perspective or even better yet, bring in outside perspective. Even if it's just asking some close friends and family, hey, what area of my life, if I worked on, would really give me the most bang for my buck? Yeah. And then willing to go and do something in that area, even yeah. if it's a little uncomfortable. Don't be afraid to feel uncomfortable as well. I would add that in. Yes. That's where the, that's where the power happens. The shift happens, I think, is in that discomfort that nobody wants to sit in. Yep. Or at least I don't, I don't like to sit there, but that's when things really move for me. Yeah. Yep. Um, I was just at home for, uh, in Park City for a wedding this weekend and I was having dinner with my mom. My mom and dad also went through the NLP training with Robert and NLPCA and my mom mentioned, uh, and I had forgotten about this, but she said, you know, Robert always talks about yum and yummy and how, um, she, and I didn't remember this, but she said that you had talked about the real definition of yum and how it stems back to love and some other characteristics. Can you talk about that? Well, we talked about yummy versus yucky. Yeah. Right? And I always use this, you know, Tim, Tim really installed in me this idea of doing this contrastive, you know, uh, differences. And so mm-hmm. I always talk about yum versus yucky. And when it comes to what feels yummy to a person's nervous system, it really relates back to survival at a biological mm-hmm. level. Mm-hmm. And so notice whenever there are certain things inherent in your personality that will always cause intense stress and pressure, what I call key stressors. So as you know, when I'm teaching personality profiling, we'll take a look at a person's primary personality trait, and then we'll take a look at the key stressors. So whenever any one of those key stressors gets violated, it feels to your nervous system like you are backed in the corner by the saber-toothed tiger. And so you'll come out guns a-blazing or <laughs> fighting or super, <laughs> or super grab or whatever it is. So that's, that's a guaranteed uh, going to happen. You want to watch out for that. So 
Um, catch, I'm sorry, uh, catch me up a little bit on the, I lost my train of thought just a bit. No, that's okay. We were just talking about the yum and the yuck and the contrast. Yes, yes, yes. yes. So, so when it comes to dialing in, in the yum with people, we have a whole methodology on how to dial in the yum and get that yummy feeling. But what will cause a person to feel yum is getting what we call a deeper need met. Mm -hmm. Now, this is not the surface level personal need. So if you have a need to be seen as competent and smart and accomplished and you know, you're going to want to prove yourself and get stuff done or whatever, and that's your kind of personal need. Whereas someone else may have a need to be seen as special and unique and different. So for them, it's all about being unique and special and different. So that's what they're trying to prove about themselves. So that's what's happening on the surface level of both these individuals. Other people are trying to prove that they're safe and secure. Other people are trying to prove that they belong. Other people are trying to prove that they're free. Mm -hmm. So you have these surface level different things that people are trying to prove and that will cause them to either feel threatened or feel rewarded depending on their imprints and how they're wired. Okay. Yeah. So if I take a look at early imprint phase of life with the person, I can map the imprints. I know how to work with them. I know where they're going to grab, where, where things will be easy, where things will be difficult. Now, all of those personal needs stem from the same set of deeper needs. And we all have the same set of deeper needs. And when you feel one of these deeper needs truly being met by another human being, I call it nectar. It's like there's this nectar that flows between you and them. It's like your heart cracks open, their heart cracks open. You feel this nectar, this yumminess mm -hmm. flowing between you and them. And that's what we live for. Yeah. And these deeper needs are love, appreciation, respect, and acceptance. Love, appreciation, respect, and acceptance. Those are the and the feeling that someone gets us these are our deeper deepest needs this is what we crave this is what we're looking for so whether someone is being uh like aggressive or overtly aggressive or passive aggressive professionally whether someone's the jokester or the bragger or the smarty pants or the critic it does not matter you can always ask yourself what is the deeper need they're trying to get met Mm -hmm. And I guarantee you, if they're salty with you, if, they're, if there's friction, if they're anything less than yummy, the attitude I take is it's fear talking. Totally. Anything less than yummy, it's fear talking. And if, if it's fear talking, that means one of those deeper needs is feeling potentially violated or they're feeling they're not getting met. Mm -hmm. Now, here's what's crazy cool about this. When you learn to address the deeper need in the other human being and, and you get good at giving them the deeper need, you can literally not give them what they're asking for on the surface level, whatever that surface level request is. You can literally not give them what they're asking for and they will thank you and come back for more. <laughs> because it was never about the surface level request, it was about the deeper need. And we've all had the experience, right? Where someone made some demand of you and it felt like, a power trip or it felt like controlling or something about it felt off. Right. But yeah. you, for the sake of the relationship or because of the professional, you know, relationship or situation, you decided, okay, I'll give them what they want. And you did. And they still weren't happy. Mm -hmm. right? Or maybe you had the experience where you gave someone else something, you know, or you demanded something of someone else thinking that would satisfy you. And then you eventually got it and you still didn't feel satisfied. Oh yeah. Yep. It's because that deeper need, wasn't met. So it's always about the deeper need. If you want to dial in the yum, 
focus on the deeper need and addressing the deeper need even when you're not giving them what they want. And you'll find it'll be pretty easy to do actually. It's not very difficult. Yeah. Yeah. And I would recommend Robert actually teaches a class on these personality profiles that he's referencing and they are so beyond useful in day-to-day -day life in marriage. I would imagine I'm not married, but I would imagine they're helpful in marriage with your kids, with your coworkers, with your boss. I mean, you can utilize this information in a really ethical, loving way that can help nourish relationships. Um, and, and I think this goes back to when you're talking about that fear talk, like anytime we're in, or this is my experience, anytime that I'm in a state of anger, sadness, um, annoyed, irritated, it all stems back from, to your point, one of these needs not being met or feeling threatened or feeling insecure. And these tools of just having the knowledge and awareness of knowing how to identify, ooh, that's kind of a competency person or that's a belonging person and how do I help get them onto a level playing field so that we can have productive dialogue is like yeah. out of this world valuable. So I highly recommend the how to read and lead if you're still doing that. Yeah, thank you. And it makes it, it makes it easier to please people. You know, that's the thing too is that, you know, is that really learning how to be a good influencer, one way to look at it is you're, you're a lot better at pleasing people because you're better at understanding and knowing what they want. It's like, it's like going to a new country and speaking the language. You're just going to, you're going to understand them a lot better than if you don't speak the language or if you have kind of like a half understanding of language, right? Mm -hmm. It's going to be more challenging and doesn't mean that you don't have the intention of being a, you know, a great host or a great guest if you're visiting somebody. But when you don't speak the language, it's just a bit harder to communicate. Mm -hmm. and so I, I liken good personality profile training, NLP training, and hypnosis training as, you know, these are very powerful tools for having more control over your own life. And, mm -hmm. and your life is determined by your thinking for sure. We know that to be a fact, right? Your life will be determined by your thinking. The quality of your life is determined by the quality of your thoughts that you consistently have and how you reinforce them. And of course, whether or not you believe them. Right. There's yep. a big difference between saying I can do it and saying, yeah, I can do it. You know, it's very, very different. So, but you're always influencing yourself. You're always reinforcing. In fact, most the, the, the current research, even on memories is that memories are not a result of the past, but they're more predictive of experiences in the future. Mm hmm. And so they almost suggest that we want to be very careful about what memories we entertain or, you know, continue to let inhabit in our brain. I'm a big believer right now, uh, the, the way the model for me has evolved over the last 20 years, and maybe we can wrap up around the subject, is that anytime you have an irrational emotional reaction to anything at all, that's a grab. A grab to me is anytime you're emotionally, you're in an emotionally altered state where you start to lose choice. So it could be a tiny little grab, you're just a little bit bugged by something, or it could be a really big grab, you lose your, your marbles and your eyes go red and bloodshot and you yell and scream or, or whatever it is. But that's, that's always going on in the nervous system. And um, I, really, I really believe that uh, anytime you have an irrational emotional reaction, it can be traced right back to an imprint. So we call it, we call it the gift in the grab. 
And so if you take that feeling, you go, where, where, where is this feeling? What memory from early childhood is this feeling reminding me of where I felt the similar way? I felt a very same way. And, and take a look and see what's there. And if you have a trauma or if you have uh, an unpleasant experience there, that is something that can be cleared. And we have great processes to clear that in NLP and hypnosis to clear that. And the way you know that that's cleared is you stop having that irrational emotional reaction up here on the surface. Mm-hmm. You know, that stops popping off. And so anytime you get grabbed, get excited. Send that person a thank you card. <laughs> you know, there's a <laughs> grab. use that grab to trace it back to an imprint and clear the imprint. The only two things that I think really influence us that way are uh, that imprint phase of life and then trauma. Those are the two things that kind of really reset direction. And then a massive personal transformation as well could also reset the direction. But a lot of times when, when there's a big shift, it's going to be it either got set up in, in the imprint phase of life, which is where our personality gets wired in, or it's some sort of trauma that causes some sort of uh, derailment. Uh, I know when I injured myself surfing, I instantly, my, my feelings in the ocean instantly changed. Mm. Like instantly like a shift in like love it to not so sure about it and i had to do some work to get it back to love it yeah but that shift happened instantly with that trauma yeah so that's things can get rerouted very quickly and i think just to reiterate some of the messaging that you've shared around nlp and hypnosis is the the work is really impactful and the uh, sort of suggestions that we implant are just adding choices. And that is a really powerful tool to have in your toolkit. Um, to your point about like when we're grabbed for me, I mean, I'm sure to everybody, but for, I know for sure for me, it's like the second I'm grabbed, there's no choice. I'm stuck. This is it. I'm here. Oh gosh. And that's just how it is. And, and I now use the term after learning from NLPCA and I'll say this to my dad who I work with on the corporate side all the time. I'm just in a very unresourceful state right now and I can't have this conversation and, and we joke about it, but it's so true. Like all we, all we're doing is adding, adding resources and adding choice. And that brings a lot of, um, power and control and impact and influence and how you get to live your life. And what you're speaking to though, is you're noticing now, and this is one of the layers, one of the patterns we pointed out in how to read and lead is you're noticing when you're in a coping stance, mm-hmm. you realize when you go into a coping stance, blaming, placating, computing, or distracting, re- you can't reason, you know, logic doesn't work. No one's going to see your point. You can't get someone else to see your point. Like no useful communication flows back and forth. So you know now to not try to engage or push your agenda through when you're grabbed. You know, yeah. to step out. Now, I, the one thing I have to clean up here is hypnosis is not just about adding choice. It's about adding in a new choice, specifically anchoring it to a, a predictable time that you know is going to occur and then conditioning that in so it becomes the new default until we hit that tipping point. And think, if, if and when anyone starts to use self-hypnosis, think of it like cutting down a tree. You go out in the back, you take the ax, and you start swinging. And you keep swinging until the tree falls. You wouldn't get halfway through the tree and then walk away. 
So when you're conditioning your mind, be willing to do a lot of repetition. And remember, what you memorize, you internalize. So one of the keys to know you're getting it is you memorize it like a bad Britney Spears song in your head. No offense. <laughs> one of those pop songs that you have stuck in your head and you can't get out. What you memorize, you internalize. That's one of the tricks is memorize it, commit it to memory, internalize it, and look for all the ways in which it's true and all the ways in which not doing it are going to be kind of painful and uncomfortable, and that will help tip you in that direction. And you can start to do that just by using your imagination. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, tell the people how to find you if they want to work with you or um, take a course or how can people get connected with you? Excellent. Thank you. So two ways. Uh, one is go to uh, the NLPCA website. So NLPCA.com. That's short for NLP of California. And you can go to the website there. There's lots of NLP resources on there. There is also my hypnosis clinic website and that is Bay Area hypnosiscenter.com bay area hypnosiscenter.com and you can go there as well and set up a free evaluation and we can do it uh, online over zoom and i have clients all around the world that i work with that way yes amazing so i will link those and just to reiterate your work can be done over zoom so you don't need to be in the bay area if you want to work with robert um, the trainings are usually in the Bay Area and super accessible to the airports. If anybody's interested, I did it when I was not living in California. And like he said, he can do the one-on-one -on -one work anywhere in the world over Zoom. So if you're interested, definitely click the link. And thanks so much for, for coming and for being here. And it's been so fun just getting a refresh with you. Yes, yes. I look forward to doing it again soon. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>